Kansas picked up its most improbable victory since... Dot, dot, dot. Kansas State showed true grit in Starkville, and Mizzou has a chance for a make-good victory this weekend. Columnist Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger are here to break down the current state of college football on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast presented by Big O Tires. Later, Sam and Vahe offer prospects for a new cornerback for the Chiefs and consider the idea if the Chiefs even need to go there. It's Tuesday, September 17th, and we're talking sports in Kansas City. Thanks for listening. So I'm flying to Oakland, and I'm watching the Kansas State-Mississippi State game. And first of all, let me just say, I, I'm not so jaded that I, I don't – that's kind of a neat thing, right? You're still – you're 35,000 feet in the air, and you're watching a college football game. And, and when there's a little buffering, I get ticked off. You know, it's like – I mean, how spoiled – Am well, I? Airplane Wi-Fi has come a long ways in the last couple of years. It used to be a lie, and now it's it's mostly legit. Well, to, to your point about being ticked off about that, I'm sitting across from Sam McDowell on my flight out, and we're watching the game, and I look over at one point, and he's like four plays ahead of me. <laughs> so I, I literally put my hands up to the left side of my face to not be tempted to look over there because I, I, I didn't want to just get to the end. I wanted to see how it happened. Isn't that, isn't that typical that – Young Buck Sam McDowell, <laughs> technologically savvy t- Sam McDowell would have uh, would be four plays ahead of uh, of you. Just in life and in general, yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, all right, so so I watch the game. It's a great win for Kansas State over Mississippi State, and and right at the end of the game, the, there's an ESPN graphic that this was the first time I think since 2006 that Kansas and Kansas State beat FBS opponents on the road. And I looked at that and I considered, I said, hey, don't do that to Kansas State. Right. <laughs> right. Kansas State's pretty legit, has been legit ever since then. Kansas is the one yeah. that makes this a, a, a graphic. It well, is. It's a little like the, I, I combined with Henry Aaron to hit 755 home runs, right? I mean, yeah. pretty much that's all on Kansas. Well, yeah, it's, it's the first time since 2008 that... Kansas had beaten an FBS school on the road, and the sun came up the next day. <laughs> like, you, can, you can play this game as much as you want. <laughs> That's true. And so let's let's start with the more improbable of the outcomes this week, and that would be the, the Jayhawks as a 20-point underdog going to Boston College, falling behind by 10, and then ripping off whatever it was, 40 – a 41 to 7 run in this game which is just remarkable remarkable that uh, nobody saw it coming although uh, Jesse Newell told me earlier this week that the Sharps had an idea they actually bet the line down from a couple of points right it ended up 20 I think it started the week at 21 and a half or something and by the gate by kickoff it was 20 so there must have been some sign of hope in that loss to Coastal Carolina a week <laughs> earlier that uh, that the Sharps the, the Saw. Hey, well, well, to just to just turn back to Jesse for a second. Last week we were in here in the office talking, and you know, I, I was sort of joking around with Jesse about you know what, what you know how ridiculous the score would be the other way, and he's like, you know, the, the way Boston College plays, I I, yeah, I, I, I don't know that Kansas could win, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a game. And Jesse tends to see things. Uh, through the through the mist a little bit that sometimes I don't and maybe others don't. Well, he if if he had any kind of you know premonition, uh, he was he was spot on. And I, I know that there was 
uh, a thought even of not even covering the game. Why would you even send a reporter to a game that was that where the conclusion was inevitable? And this is why you do it. This is why you cover games <laughs> That's right. on, on the road. So it was a remarkable victory, and it was, let, let's kind of let's try to put it in some sort of perspective. Nobody nobody saw it coming, and what does this mean for Les Miles going forward in this program? They play West Virginia at home on Saturday, and we thought before the season this was the the best opportunity for a conference win for Kansas. Things look different for the Jayhawks now. Sure does. I mean, you know, that's a chance to go three and one, right? Three and one. With with two wins over, uh, you know, power five. Yeah, power five programs. Programs. I don't know. Nobody. If anybody tells you that they know what this means, I think they're a liar. Um, I remember when Turner Gill lost to South Dakota State and then beat a ranked Georgia Tech team the next week. Mm. Um, Turner Gill's time at Kansas did not end well. Um, I, I do think, but I, I don't say that to dismiss what they did on Friday um, or to say that it doesn't matter. Of course, it matters. Um, at the very least, it's a bump. You know, um, it, it's some confidence. It's a it's a good talking point for for Les Miles and his staff to sell on the recruiting trail. With um, you know, the I, I don't think one game can, either way, a bad loss or a great win, can swing a recruiting class. I'm not saying that at all. But um, you know, you've got the first signing date in almost exactly three months, right? Um, you know, every every little bit helps. But you got to back it up. And and this is a great opportunity. This is the opportunity that you'd want if you if you could draw it up. There have been. Some victories for Kansas football in the last decade. Um, not many, not many at all. In fact, fewer than any any FBS team, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but there was a Texas a victory over Texas yep. in 2016, and a victory over TCU last year. And I, re- I remember the the Turner Gill win over over Georgia Tech. One thing I, I remember about that game was it was Turner Gill's first year. So Mark Mangino had been the coach the previous year. And no, Kansas had not fallen off the cliff at that point. Yeah. There were still players recruited by the Mangino regime. Of mm-hmm. course, most of the team recruited by Mangino. There was no reason to – you couldn't see the next decade from from the victory over uh, – the loss to – I think it was North Dakota State. They lost in the opener that year. Was it? Okay. And, and then beat Georgia Tech. It's almost like, okay, they ride the ship that night and, and that day and things will be okay. And, of course, they were never okay after that yeah. uh, to this day. So – Vahe, can 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 a program get more than a short-term bounce from a triumph like this? Understanding that when you talk about Kansas football, it's unlike anything else on the on the college football landscape. It is, and for the very reasons you just outlined. But I do think this: there is um, it's some kind of combination of momentum and foundation and trajectory, right? It. it you have a chance to do something build off each there's a, a bit of a continuum right i mean often you see that in hindsight more than you can see it in foresight but i think we've said this each week with kansas and i think it holds just as true now that 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 first win the way the way the jayhawks won that that swings the pendulum forward then you have it go back the other way i i think the important thing right now is that there's a little bit of traction um and each week will change the next. I, I don't know what to expect Saturday, though, right? You, you think they've got the bump and they've got a little bit of juice, big home game, winnable opponent, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it go the other way. I just think it's going to be a little bit like that in this period, but I think right now you can say it's obviously a net positive with with what Miles is doing, and that's 
really all you need to know right now. I mean, this is going to be a long-term situation anyway. I remember last week talking about how all the capital he'd built up over the first, you know, 10 months of his of Les Miles' tenure was, was blown in one, one game, the Coastal Carolina loss, and especially that sequence of, you know, three timeouts, yeah. two by KU uh, to, to set up a, you know, whatever it was, a Puka Williams, you know, run up the middle on four, fourth and three. So An utterly predictable and hopeless Puka Williams <laughs> run up the middle. That was, right. thing was going nowhere. Right. And uh, so at the time, I remember believing, well, that moment could very well define, yeah. uh, define the season. So if nothing else, what Friday's win over Boston College did is it um, – it at least takes that moment off the table as a season-defining moment. Yeah, and, and um, a program like Kansas cannot beat a program like BC without having some additional positives come out of it, right, um, you know, to, to achieve something like that. But my thought was exactly what you just said, that the play, the fourth down play with the three timeouts, to me was so discouraging because it showed – um, disorganization and just a lack of creativity, a lack of, you know, just searching for solutions. And then what the hell happens the next week? They drastically change their offense and, and do something that BC just was not prepared for um, or, you know, looked like considered might happen. They spread them out a little bit, a bunch of RPOs. I mean, it was it was beautiful. I mean, wide open receivers, wide open running lanes. I mean, and that's the kind of thing that I think a lot of us thought Les Miles is going to bring, you know, the Coastal Carolina, maybe that's the blip, you know, maybe that's the, you know, the outlier, but it just, for that one week, it was like, ooh, maybe we were completely wrong about the coaching chops, not just of Les Miles, but um, all of his assistants, and then come back with a really, really, really strong performance. That To me, that specifically, you know, we've talked about, it, that's a marathon, that's a marathon rebuild, um, but little signs like that, you know, can give you some optimism that, that it's got a chance at least. I think a lot of people believe Kansas would be two and one after the non-conference portion of the schedule. And, <laughs> That's right, and, and here they are. That's right. <laughs> um, Kansas State had a great victory, I and mean, to go into an SEC uh, stadium and win is a, a, a real triumph for for Chris Kleiman and the Wildcats, and something that uh, I think back on Kansas State non-conference scheduling in the last few years. Bill Snyder had the reputation of not playing anybody in the non-conference, but that changed in his his second yeah. term as the as the Wildcats coach. They'd been they played Auburn and UCLA and Miami and, and and Vanderbilt in the last few years, but hadn't won one of those games. Remember, they went to Vanderbilt a couple of years ago and got mm-hmm. beat, and Auburn beat them in in um, in Manhattan, and Mississippi State just rolled over the Wildcats last year in in um, in Manhattan, but Saturday. Even with Kansas State fumbling the ball and committing penalties, Kansas State pulled pulled out a victory that I mean has to be admired. And uh, and, and Kansas State had done what kind of what you'd expect them to do in the first couple games against opponents that uh, didn't match up well against them. Unlike other programs, they they did what they were supposed to do, and they followed that up with a pretty impressive road victory. And does this change the way we, we think about Kansas State going forward? I, I, I think it does. I mean, I, I do think those first two games, it was it was what you said in terms of they did what they're supposed to do. But but maybe I'd give it a tick beyond that, that they, they did – they they demonstrated being locked in, right? They they yeah. played they played through. They, they and hearing 
you know, whatever you want to call it, it's sort of a coaching cliche, right? But, you know, playing with one heartbeat or whatever, they, they look like a team in each of those games. So it gave me a feeling that, that they, they'd compete um, against Mississippi State. I certainly didn't expect that, that, that win. And, and I do think now you have to ask yourself, all right, look at Kleiman's whole profile, look at the energy he's brought in, look at what they've done so far. Uh, to me, you've got a testimony here that, that his way certainly lends itself to this level, right? And I, I realize that that, again, will be a long-term uh, point of analysis for d- almost the opposite reason of less miles, right? I mean, it's, okay, you come in thinking you can you do this, but can you do it with your guys over a long period? Um, but I think you have to feel really good about it. I think you have to, if you're a Wildcat fan, heck, this, this, is, this is kind of – not just encouraging, but but I think energizing and refreshing. And, and I do think, look, I mean, there was a lot of feeling of uh, consternation about Bill Snyder's period coming to an end. But I, I think we're seeing, you know, you didn't have to think that we've got to stay st- st- stuck is probably the wrong word. It's probably unfair, but but stuck <laughs> in, in that place. that was sort of not no man's land. Right. I thought the, the biggest questions to me going into that game from K-State was basically about toughness. And, you know, Blair, you just mentioned that the that game last year and that that was a mismatch. That was an absolute physical, physical mismatch. mismatch. And so when I say toughness, I mean physical like that to to stand up to that program in their house, um, physically but also mentally, and be able to forget about last year, um, or not forget about it and and use it, but either way, produce a different outcome. And and not just that, but look, no no team is ever perfect in any game. But you know they they had some special teams mistakes. I know they had the the long kickoff return too, but um, they had some special teams mistakes. They um, you know th- there were some moments where you know your your toughness is tested, sort of mentally, and you know all the way up to the um, you know the quarterback on the it was a fourth down, right? Um, and he just goes the dive. And you know the the super oh. Elway helicopter oh, that, that, was that was such amazing. a cool play, and you know and, and it was a great effort by him, but also a great effort by K State yeah, to get over absolutely. there and, and make the play. So I just um, those two things I thought that was the biggest test, and I and I, I was willing to be impressed with K State even without a win. You know if they, if they played them tough and it just came down to you know they hit the field goal at the end or whatever, um, but to. To win like that, you know, I mean, they were the better team. They were the tougher team. They were the more physical team. I mean, it could not have been more impressive. No, I, I agree. Um, I, I didn't. I, I really didn't expect them to to go down there and win. I and and I, the, last year's game was etched in my memory. Uh, yeah. They, the way Kylan Hill ran all over them, yep. and, and and the Wildcats got pushed around. So, yeah, I think my perspective on the possibility for Kansas State changes with, with that outcome. And they've got a big one coming up. They're off this week and uh, and then go to Oklahoma State, which is off to a terrific start. At, look, I don't know if surprising, but but uh, picked up, Oklahoma State's picked up a couple of road wins this year. So that's, um, uh, uh, you know, you go into a season and, and you try to project the way things might fall and you look at programs with new coaches and, and kind of downgrade them a little bit because of that. But one thing Kansas State had going for it that, um, that West Virginia didn't, uh, and, and Kansas at the time we didn't think had going for him was a returning quarterback. Skylar Thompson is quite an advantage yeah. for, for, for K-State. And when you've got somebody who's as experienced and has been as successful as Skylar Thompson 
uh, and a coach who has won as often as Chris Kleiman, maybe that's a little bit of a combination that got overlooked in the preseason. Yeah, I, I, that, that's a good point. And look, I think in here, uh, in, in our room, as they, as they say, <laughs> I, I, think, I think there was a general feeling of, yeah, he's got to show it, but but I don't think we thought this was a bad hire. I mean, I think I, I liked the hire. I, I liked too, it yeah. right away. And um, but you you can't always make the conversion. You don't know how to how to treat that conversion when when it comes right down to it. And things like Skylar Thompson, those are sometimes the bridge um, that that makes it come to life in a different way. It'd be interesting to see what it would look like without you know with an inexperienced quarterback that that, you know, was just learning learning the ropes. Uh, I think Missouri has an opportunity this weekend hosting South Carolina to uh, remove some of the bitter taste from the opening game loss to, to Wyoming. Now, I also thought that Missouri had a good chance to, to have a great record long into their season and be undefeated. That obviously was rendered impossible after the – after the opening game, but in South Carolina, uh, the Tigers can uh, can has an Tigers have an opportunity to prevail over an opponent that has caused them a lot of frustration over the last few years. Yeah, for sure, and and it's sort of been a a, a Barry Odom. Um, uh, I don't. What's Bugaboo mean? It's been hex. A uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's been it's been a South Carolina has been a problem for Barry Odom. It has. He, Sam, Barry Odom has a South Carolina problem. He, he 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 does. And Sam, you saw it in in Living Color last year at, out in Columbia, that, South Carolina. That was agonizing. Crazy game. Yeah. Crazy game. And but but kind of a botched game. Totally. Um, Bl- and, blown game for sure. Yeah. Yep. And in a way, that's been uh, I I think the. Uh, the telling part of Barry Odom in non-November games, right, is games like that. I mean, I think what is it, ten and two in November, and otherwise, eh. And so, I have a little different feeling about this team, and I had that feeling before the Wyoming game, and and certainly was like, well, that that's that's big trouble. Um, I think they need this game, Blair to make up for the Wyoming game. And then you, then you feel like you can dig in and believe. Uh, it's part of a, this five-game homestand. And uh, if, they had, if they'd beaten Wyoming and lost this game, um, you know, maybe you'd feel better about them in a weird way. But if it, go, if it plays out this way, well, that's what you want. You're on the uptick, and you've got, got something going. I, so... I'm I'm really looking forward to this. It is a bit of a statement game, I think, for where the program is. Yeah, look, if they if they lose to South Carolina, their victories will have been over SEMO and a West Virginia team that's starting over with a new coach. Now, look, West Virginia had a nice win over NC State this past weekend, but still, um, uh, no, no, a, a two and two record after four is not what anybody would have anticipated with uh, with the Tigers. You, I, I remember that, Sam. I remember you were at the game in South Carolina last year. The game that disappeared in the rain for for a quarter. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, there, you couldn't even you couldn't see it on TV. There was so yeah. much rain. Yeah, they, uh, and and that not Drew Locke's better moment. No, they, and they blew that as a team too. And um, it's worth pointing out that they got some bad breaks, both with the weather, uh, you know, kind of ruining some some momentum that they had, but also, um, you know, th- there was a play. Was it? Did they say that Roundtree stepped out of bounds, or th- there was a long run that got called back on a very, to me anyway, like questionable 
penalty. So that's a bad break. But then Mizzou just collapsed after that, you know? And look, you, you can't, it's not how many times you fall, it's how many times you can't, you know, you, you get up and you, you can't control the breaks that go against you, but you can tr- control what you do when those things happen. And that, that was the, the failure in that game. Um, but it's, the thing that strikes me about this game is it sets up for a huge overreaction either way, doesn't it? Like no matter if Mizzou, which is why I'm going there to write. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so. Whether Mizzou wins the game, then you know Wyoming's over, and SEC win. We've exercised the South Carolina thing. If they lose, it's just like all you know. It just either way, it's a beautiful thing. One Sports. reason I'll listen back to this podcast is to, to tape those words of yours and, and stitch them in up high in the, the column, whichever way it goes. Well, and Alex Schiffer has already given you all the column points uh, earlier today, so we're really appreciative of the, to the Schiff man for that. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we've got some Chiefs to talk about. Save big on the biggest brand tires. Where else? Your participating Big O Tires. Now through September 22nd, get up to $70 off select sets of Michelin and BF Goodrich brand tires. Plus, get up to an additional $120 in mail-in rebates on qualifying purchases using your Big O Tires credit card. Only at Big O Tires, the team you trust. Not valid with other offers. Disposal fees extra. Up to 10% shop fee based on non-discounted retail price. Not to exceed $35 per permitted. For the store nearest you, go to BigOtires.com. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We're back on Sportsbeat KC with columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger. And guys, I will, I'll run down some some names of some cornerbacks, you give me a yay or nay on their prospects of becoming Kansas City Chiefs. Let's take Minka Fitzpatrick off the table. That, that would <laughs> I think be a we nay, can do that, right? right? Wait, was that a surprise, by the way, uh, going to, the, going to the, the Pittsburgh Steelers? I don't think I like that trade from the Steelers. Like, I, th- I think there's a lot of value in Fitzpatrick because you're getting him for basically four years and at a super cheap price, not just the rookie contract, but the Dolphins already paid him his bonus. So you're just on the hook for for the base salary. The cap number's incredibly low, but you know maybe the Steelers. I mean, for sure the Steelers have a lot of pride, so they may not want to admit it. But that could end up being a top five pick, you know, depending on on how this season goes. They don't they don't have their quarterback. Now, right? They're already zero and two. I, I don't know. I mean, that that could be a really good deal for the Dolphins and. You know, Fitzpatrick is a really good player. I mean, he, he's, you know, he's versatile, he's talented, uh, he's cheap, and he's under long-term control, so he's a valuable player. I just, um, I, I'm surprised that the Steelers did that deal. Just a quick question on that. Were the Chiefs, do you think, in some way in, in on that, thinking yeah. about it? I mean, yeah. how, how, I know you're, I think you're writing about this, but how, to what degree do you think they, just couldn't offer enough or couldn't yeah. offer enough fast enough or that's yeah exactly that's the way i understand it they, they were 
you know, I don't know what the right adjective, aggressive or, or you know, they, they were in on the talks. And, you know, but, you know, the problem with having Patrick Mahomes on your team is that um, your draft picks aren't worth as much. You're never well, going to draft high. <laughs> you know? Right. So they theoretically, let's just say they, they offered a number one and Pittsburgh did. And you're like, well, we could get a top 10 pick out of the yeah, Steelers and it exactly. won't be. Yeah. So, so. You know, to me, um, and I don't know what the Chiefs ended up offering or were willing to do, but to me, a first-round pick from the Chiefs would be worth it um, because it's going to be, you would think, somewhere after 25, somewhere between 25 and 32, you know, and um, and you, you fill your biggest need. I think that would have been a really, really smart deal. But once the Steelers come in, you know, if you look at that draft chart about, like, the point value on, on each pick, um, and I, I did this this morning, and to get – and just conservatively say that the Steelers, uh, that pick's going to end up being 12, just, you know, conservatively. Um, the Chiefs would have to give up their next two first-round picks. Or, you know, their first and either that Niners second that they have or their own second. And, like, and, and, you know, two more picks. You know, their first and two more picks. So that price gets really high. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's a certain point where it becomes not worth it, especially when there's other yay or nays to talk about, which I, I think we're about to do. We are. Uh, we're, 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 get, we're getting to our next uh, cornerback, and that would be uh, Jalen Ramsey, who we just saw a week, week and a half ago in Jacksonville not have a great game. But I, I wonder if the Chiefs did a little, you know, little observation during that <laughs> game, a little, a little uh, up-close-and-personal scouting on Jalen Ramsey. So, but he's out there. He's available. Yay or nay? Well, because I think there's somebody in this room better informed than me. <laughs> Stop it. Even though you turned to me, I'm going to say nay. Um, but I do think I, I, I want to just expand a little bit on your point about whether the Chiefs did some scouting. I do think you know we've had different reactions to different things at different times with who they brought in. But I do think if you really look at the, the modus operandi with how guys they bring in, they're paying attention to how, how they're going to fit in the locker room culture. And I emphasize the locker room part because sometimes, you know, we've had questions about, you know, broader statements to community, et cetera. And I, but I think, Sam, you're better equipped to speak to that than I am. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll end up being a nay um, just because I, I think there's some teams, I don't know if I can say most, but it's, you know, more than one. Like, I, I think there's teams that would cross them off the list just because, you know, not just the, the potential locker room disruption, but that price Jacksonville's not going to give up a 24-year-old two-time Pro Bowl, you know, at the height of his powers and you would think going to stay there for a few years without getting, I would think, two firsts um, and and not two 32nd overall firsts, you know. Uh, I, I think they want a big price, and they should. And, and Jalen Ramsey is also, um, you know, it's going to come like sort of the Frank Clark package, you know, more, more draft capital, but also you're going to have to make him – um, and look, the cornerback market has sort of stalled. It's plateaued for a while, but he's going to be the the highest paid cornerback in NFL history. Um, you know, that's that's the kind of talent and the kind of timing. Um, so I think there's some teams that kind of look at, you know what, the Jaguars had this guy in the same way that, you know, star quarterbacks don't really switch teams often. Star cornerbacks don't really switch teams that often. And so if they're not doing it, there must be a reason. And so I, I think it'll end up being an A. Um, you know, I think the Chiefs will continue to monitor, you know, and maybe maybe it changes if Jalen Ramsey's willing to play and, you know, without a pick, 
or I'm sorry, without a, a, a contract extension at the end, I don't know that he'd be willing to do that. But what if he was, you know, maybe does that change? Because then it's not just about the potential disruption versus the price or, you know, the potential disruption and the price versus the production. But now you take out the price is that, you know, you have a little bit more control over the guy too. You know, he's not empowered by the contract. I, I, there's a lot of moving parts there. It's a funny thing about what makes the sweet spot. Yeah. Though, right. I, yeah. I mean, you're talking about it and, and describing it exactly, but it's, it's, it's a floating thing. I mean, mm-hmm. if something can be obtained at X price, yeah. then maybe you're a little more braced or willing to accept yeah. whatever that downside is on, yeah. on some other aspect of it. Yeah. There, there's two ways to look at it. Right. Cause I, I do think, and I know that the chiefs think um, that they have a pretty good locker room, um, a really good locker room. And, you know, so there's two ways to think about that. One, we've got a really good locker room. We can, we can put our arm around this guy, you know, so the, the Patriots have been known to do a time or two. Um, or we've got a really good locker room. Why would, we, why would we risk screwing this up? And, you know, that's a gut call. Like, that's not something that, you know, there's, there's really a formula for. So, you know, how strong is Patrick Mahomes' voice? How strong is Frank Clark's voice? Tyron, you know, like, that's the kind of things that, that, that you have to go through. Did the Chiefs not have a good locker room when Marcus Peters was their star corner? Well, that's yeah. I mean, that that's the thing too. They they just did this. Was it two years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, traded and and like you know they play the same position and they're you know like it, the comparison is natural. Um, I don't know. I really liked Marcus Peters. Um, you know, he was he was good for us. You know, he was entertaining. He was, he was good for us, um, especially you. I, yeah, <laughs> I thought he was honest, but I, I get that. He was also a pain in the ass. And, I, you know, I obviously don't know Ramsey the way that we saw Marcus Peters up close, but that comparison is there. And I could I could easily see, um, you know, the coaches are all different, but, you know, Andy or the front office being like, yeah, we, we just went through this. Why, why, why are we doing it again? I could see that. Well, it's an interesting question, Blair. The way you asked it, I, I took it as, you know, maybe Marcus was whatever Marcus was in that locker room, but did it really affect the locker room? And I think I remember – actually each of us in some way working on a different story related to that and kind of getting the feeling that he was actually well liked in that room mm-hmm. um there was some concern i think from management at some point though that over time if if he kept for instance not doing what the coach wanted him to do on defense yeah <laughs> and kept you know in some way or another being uh, Disruptive is kind of a funny word, but I think he, he he was certainly that way with some of his annex. I think that's reasonable to say. Yeah. Then at some point he becomes a more of a leader than you want him to be in those ways. Yeah, I I think there were two there were two other like kind of main things going on there. Um, one is uh, you know I, he's not here anymore. I don't want this to be like throwing dirt on the guy, but but Bob Sutton. Um, one of the criticisms when he was here too was sort of there wasn't the same level of accountability. That's one thing that they really liked about not just Spagnolo, but the coaches that he would bring with him, and not just accountability in the sense of you know wagging your finger and you know look player you do exactly what I say, but accountability between the coaches, just an overall you know sort of tidying up a little bit, and and that didn't exist. That same structure didn't exist. And the other part of it, um, and this would come into play with Ramsey. Um, you know, Marcus was getting to the point where, um, you know, he was going to have to get paid and, you know, it's, it's one thing. There's a lot of examples through all sports, baseball, football, basketball, I don't follow hockey as much, but I'm sure the same in there, but you know, it's, it, 
money doesn't change who you are, but it brings out who you are. And you know, the I'm same. Waiting, I'm waiting for that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to show your true self. Because yeah. it's not bad. I think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like I know you at all, Blair. <laughs> but you know what? Like, it's there's. Okay, we if we've had this level of issue with the right. player when he's making, you know, his rookie contract, what's that going to be when his, you know, he's on one of the biggest deals at his position? I think that's a legitimate concern. Okay, final candidate, uh, Patrick Peterson. Uh, yay or nay, and has that, you know, the prospect of that response changed over the last few weeks? Yeah, I think that's a big old yay. Um, you know, if but the, the problem is the Cardinals have to say it's a yay. <laughs> Yes, that, that, that's right. And that, but it was a definitive nay in the in, in the preseason. Yep. Uh, the, the Cardinals said no way. Yep. And I, and I still think that the Cardinals are uh, they haven't given up on the season after two weeks either. They've got a loss right. and a tie. And I, who knows? They might think that their their season has potential. Yeah. Although they're in a division now with three other teams that are two and zero. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and and those three other teams are all really good, but. Um, you know, look, like there's an argument to be made. If the Cardinals GM came out and said, you know what, like I get we're not going to make the playoffs this year, but Patrick Peterson is, and this is his reputation. He's, he's a, you know, a good teammate. He's a, you know, all those things. Um, and, and we want to keep him as an example, you know, for these other guys. I, you know, there's logic in that. You know, I, I tend to look at it a little bit more coldly, I guess, and just think that he's 29 and you're going to pay him 12 million the next year. And that's, money you can use other places and and what if you get a second round pick for him you know that's another player you know that's how I would tend to look at it but I think that's a big old yay I think the Chiefs would say that's a yay as well um but you you got to convince the Cardinals I'll just jump in and say between the nay or the yay that's a firm a <laughs> I think I think uh I think so right right why not why wouldn't it be why wouldn't yeah. the Chiefs try to keep that alive and and sort of monitor well is it worth remembering that uh the Chiefs in two games this year, uh, held Jacksonville to 13 points in the first three quarters, and basically that game was over after th- yeah. after three. And this past weekend, uh, held the Raiders to 10 points in their stadium with the st- each of the corners, boundary corners coming up with an interception and yep. the slot corner coming up with a sack yep. in in that game. And oh by the way, in two weeks. Um, Mo Claiborne is, uh, you know, is coming off the suspended list yep. and will be a part of this, you know, this the secondary. Just real quick too. I mean, I, I, that's a good point to make. I thought Bashar Breeland was terrific. I, best the other day. Certainly much better than he was the week before. Yeah, and I'd like to see what his final grade was. He was physical, um, you know, in the run game, which yes, not used to seeing corners. Yeah, you know, I agree. Tackle like that and on the and, dirt too. That was even when he, yeah. he was bringing a guy down hard on the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that interception that he had, he played that perfectly, just expertly. That that ball, it was a stupid audible by Derek Carr. And part of me saying that because I freaking hate <laughs> the end zone fade. It's just, it's such a cop out and it never works. But anyway, um, but Breland played it perfect. That ball was never complete. That ball was always in an incompletion or an interception. If you look at the angle and and the way that he muscled up a little bit, he he played that absolutely perfectly. Um, it is worth remembering that those guys seem to be playing that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I, so far, so good on that, right? And and uh, I think that's important. I don't know what we think Claiborne's going to bring. Um, but the whole dynamic of this that, that's interesting is when are the supposed reinforcements really going to be available? At what price, if that really happens? Let's say Peterson's the one in play. 
can the Chiefs afford to try to wait before they, they uh, sweeten any pot on anything they are thinking of? I guess they can afford to wait, but I yeah. am reminded a little bit of just thinking about the, the Royals in, in 14 and 15 and making those moves, even when, like, I guess it was 15 was Obris, right? And Cueto. They were both that year, yeah. And at that point, you're, you're thinking they've just gone so all in. They've decided they're pushing every chip in. And I don't think we yet have that feeling about the Chiefs. We know that Brett's, Brett Veach, the general manager, is very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Very aggressive, I think, is probably a fair way to put it. So it would seem sort of in his wheelhouse to be ready to push the envelope here. Yeah. Um, but why would you do it unnecessarily either if you feel pretty good about where you're going? Yeah, it's, it's got to be the right deal. But it, it's a really interesting thing, too, because – if you look at the cornerback market, like first of all, if, if they're going to be drafting, just say thirtieth. I mean, it could be anywhere twenty-five to thirty-two, but like that's not where you get star corners. Like those guys go right. before that. DeAndre Baker. This was widely considered a weak cornerback class. DeAndre Baker was the first one taken, and and he went thirtieth. The Giants took him thirtieth overall. So the Chiefs could have had DeAndre Baker. DeAndre Baker. I just looked this up. Um, he has given up uh, 11 catches on 13 targets for 272 yards and two touchdowns, according to Pro Football Focus. He's just getting torched. So even if you get one of these talented kids, like they might take a while, you know. And whereas Patrick Peterson has been in this league, he, he's had some success. There's nothing that that he hasn't seen. So that that's there's a little bit of you know an instant bump there. But in, the, the, one other thing too, those in free agency, Stephen Nelson just got nine and a half, ten million dollars a year. Um, Aaron Colvin got thirty-five or forty million dollars. I forgot, however, you know, like what what that worked out to per year. But the Chiefs, those guys are hard to find. Like this is the path, in a lot of ways. You know, this is the this is the avenue to 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 get these guys to acquire these guys. In a lot of ways, it's the Chiefs' only chance. Biggest uh, opportunity or challenge for the Chiefs uh, in the first three weeks come Sunday in the home opener Absolutely. against the Baltimore Ravens with. Lamar Jackson, who became the first player in NFL history on Sunday, to uh, I think this is I think this is the the stat, rush for at least 120 yards and pass for at least 250 in a game. So, uh, or maybe it's 270. But anyway, he, he he surpassed some threshold like that. And, and I think it's in a regular season game, the only reason I know this is uh, Teresa Kaepernick, Colin's mom, retweeted that she begged to differ when it was referred to as a first and that apparently Colin had done it in a playoff game. How about that? Mm-hmm. Was that the Packers game, probably? I think so. Um, I think that's yeah. right. Just, God, that was uh, a lightning bolt. It was bolt. unbelievable. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, nobody nobody wants that guy. Right. <laughs> oh, my God, he was, he was terrific. So, Okay, and we'll talk more about that uh, the Chiefs-Ravens uh, game on Thursday at Facebook Live at Big O Tires on 151st Street, Looking forward to that with Sam Melliger, Vahe Gregorian, and, and Sam McDowell will join us there. So for today, thanks, guys, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Blake. Links to the stories we discussed are in the show notes on KansasCity.com, and Chief Stories can also be accessed through the Red Zone Extra app. Hey, and we're on YouTube on the Kansas City Star channel. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Please take time to rate and review Sportsbeat KC. Big shout out to Bruce Pun, Human Torch 101, and Dalvin Miniero, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, for their kind words. Thank you. And as always, thanks to producers Kathy Lou and Leah Becerra. Hey, do you know it's Patrick Mahomes' birthday, right? 
It's also the big day for Evan, Kathy's son. Happy birthday, Evan. And we'll be back tomorrow for another Sports Beat KC podcast to talk sports in Kansas City.